Hello all, welcome to episode number two. I am definitely going to be trying to get this whole book read as often as, I mean as fast as possible, so I'm going to do it on a book by book basis, so if you're still reading by episode number two, congratulations, (laughs) you have made it into the pro league, but um... I am only on page 24, so I hope that you will be patient with me, and we'll get through this book one page at a time. I apologize for the dryness, and I'll do a, um, I'll be doing different books other than just apostolic books, because I know they're a bit dry for some of you people, but... For those of you who love apostolic books, this is a great episode for you because we are just going to go straight through to my saved place, and which is page 92. Well, we hope to make it there. If you'll just pardon my breaks for water every once in a while, we will try to make it in an hour. So here we go, diving right back into If We Repent, We Must Not Sin. Or no, if we sin, we must repent. Man, I got that so wrong. This isn't going to be a a professional audiobook experience, but it will be an audio experience nonetheless. For those of you who are fans of David K. Bernard, I know that you're probably very excited to find a free audiobook online. Anyway, we'll just dive right in, and with the other episodes, there really won't be an introduction. There's just going to be me diving right back into the book, um, right where I left off, so you don't have to hear me talk for an hour. Alright, well, I'll definitely be right back, or just dive right in. If we sin, we must repent. Even though a Christian should not sin, if he does sin, we can obtain forgiveness by repentance. The one thing worse than sin is a refusal to confess sin. God can save a sinner, but he will not save one who refuses to confess sin. If any man sin, we have an advocate with God the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9 Prior righteousness will not forgive that sin. When righteous, when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness, and committeth iniquity, and doeth all according to the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he had done shall not be mentioned. But in his trespass that he hath trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Ezekiel 18.24 Now, nor does this grace of God automatically cover that sin in the absence of genuine repentance. Romans 6, 1 through 2, 15 through 16, and 23. The Lord specifically requires repentance of Christians who commit sin. Therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Revelation 2 5. See also Revelation 2 16, 2 21 through 22, 3 3 through 5, and 3 and 19. 
If a person sincerely loves, lives for God, commission of sin will be at an almost temporary lapse and in, and in aberration. When a consecrated Christian temporarily falls into sin, usually he has Im- immediately a repentant heart and will receive instant forgiveness. Of course, repentance includes godly sorrow and regret for what has been done, as the present desire and intention not to commit sin again. Proverbs 28.13, 2 Corinthians 7.10 When a Christian does sin, the Bible indicates that in general, God gives opportunity and time for repentance. Romans 2 in 4, 2 Peter 3 and 9, Revelation 2 and 21. The Bible also teaches that backsliders can be restored. James 5, 19 through 20, 2 Peter 3, 9, Revelation 2, 15. Passages such as Hebrews 6 and 4 through 6 and 10 and 26 through 31 do not contradict this truth, but teach the following. 1. If we reject the atoning of Christ's death, there is no other way of salvation. 2. A backslider can harden his heart so much, go so far into delusion, or deny the work of the Spirit to the point that God can no longer deal with him, and he cannot be saved while in that condition. Assurance of Salvation We need not live in fear of condemnation for sin committed unknowingly. No sin is committed totally by accident. James 4.17 says that a knowing failure to do good is sin. This implies that in some cases we are not accountable for things left undone in ignorance. However, ignorance is no excuse when God's word addresses an issue. We should pray for God to reveal the hidden things in our lives that are not pleasing him. He will do so. Psalms 19 and 12 through 13, 139, 23 through 24. If we remain sensitive to the Spirit of God, He will teach us and convict us of sin. We can have assurance of salvation. We can know with certainty that we are saved. Romans 8, 14 through 16. We can also know with certainty that we will inherit the eternal life. We will inherit eternal life if we continue to have faith in Christ and love for God. Romans 5, 8 through 11, 8 and 28 through 39. As long as we abide in Christ, nothing can separate us from him or cause us to lose salvation. John 15, 1 through 10. Romans 8 and 35 through 39. What is sin? Sin is both a nature and an act. As already described in this chapter, the sinful nature is an inherited compulsion to sin that only the Spirit of God can overcome. The Bible defines sinful acts in at least three ways. 1. Sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3-4 and 4. All disobedience of God's commandments is sin, whether by commission or omission. 2. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14 and 23. Anything incompatible with faith in God is sin. 
If we believe something is wrong or have doubts about it, but do it anyway, then we have gone against what we believe to be the will of God. In other words, we manifest a willingness to rebel against God. This attitude is sinful, even if the act is not wrong for someone else. It becomes wrong for us because it violates our conscience and contradicts the faith principle. 3. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. James 4.17 This apparently refers to a choice between morality and immorality, or a choice between obeying and disobeying one of God's commands. Not every failure to do a good deed is the best thing in a given situation. Not every failure to do a good deed or the best thing in a given situation is sin. 1 Corinthians 7 and 26 through 28. Temptation is not sin, for Christ was tempted but did not sin. Matthew 4 and 1 through 11. If we produce sin, it will produce sin only if we entertain and yield to it, either mentally or physically. James 1 and 12 through 16. Not every mistake, fault, or personality flaw is a moral sin, even though we sometimes label them as quote-unquote sins. We should seek to improve in these areas, ask God to help and forgive us, and ask others to forgive. But these things are not always immoral or sinful. For example, Paul lost forgiveness from the Corinthians if his refusal to take support from them was not proper. 2 Corinthians 12.13 Other examples could be rudeness, oversleeping, habitual lateness, and insensitivity at a particular time. Sin and Grace Grace provides forgiveness for all repented sin. It does not provide forgiveness for unrepented sin. In other words, grace makes forgiveness available for sins committed after the new birth, but only upon repentance. After the new birth, grace gives us both the desire and the power to do God's will and to live a holy life. Philippians 2 and 13. It is not a means by which God overlooks sin in the life of a helpless Christian. It does not let us continue in sin. Romans 6 and 1 through 2, 15 through 16. In fact, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Titus 2 and 11 through 12. God's gracious, gracious salvation is a cure for all the evils of sin. Grace deals with both the sinful act and the sinful nature. It does not merely cover up sin, but enables the repentant man to first avoid sin's penalty, and then to start a whole new life, free from sin's dominion. The same grace that teaches, that reaches back to forgive past sin also reaches forward to prevent and overcome future sin. In conclusion, here are two basic guidelines for Christian living. 1. We must not sin. 2. If we do sin, we must confess it to God and continue serving Him from that point. God's gracious salvation provides both forgiveness of sin and power to live a holy life. Footnotes F.F. Bruce, The Epistle of Paul to the Romans, Volume 
6 of the Tyndale New Testament Commentaries, RVG Massacre E.D., Grand Rabbits, Erdman's 1963, page numbers 153 and 156, Jerry Bridges, The Pursuit of Holiness, Colorado Springs, Nav Press, 1978, page 60, Bruce, page 160, emphasis R's, Bridges, page 60, emphasis in original. Alright, and we have reached chapter 2. This is page 31. We have... Two more chapters until we reach our destination. I think I'm going to stop at chapter 2 and then just read it chapter by chapter in every episode. Thank you for listening. See you in the next episode.